everyone. This is John Honorson from the Scarlet Nation podcast. I'm here with Bobby Derrick, the lead writer, the editor, the all-everything guy for ScarletNation.com. Folks, we're coming off a big win this week, uh, 24-17 win over Indiana, and it feels good not only for all of you fans out there, but also for us who has to cover this team, and we love to see the team on an upward trajectory, so we have some good news for you. Bobby, how's everything going? Going good, going good. Always better to write off a win than a loss. Well, I'm going to puff up your ego a little bit. The day before the game, you did your, um, your preview article, the one with the split-screen thing where you talk about who has the edge, and you always do that with an opposing writer, and you talk to our guy from Indiana, and you predicted a 21-17 to win, turned out to be a 24-17 to win. How does that feel to be such a, a good prognosticator? <laughs> well, um you know, it's nice to hit it now. It, it, it makes me, uh, you know, confident that what I'm doing is off or not, or off for something and not off or not. But, um, you know, looking at the game, you just figured that this was going to be a, a game where it wasn't going to be a offensive fireworks because Rutgers really is a, it's on the strength of their defense. And, and their game plan, if they can help it, is to, you know, eat up clock, run the football. It's, it's not a downfield shootout passing game. So, um, just coming off the bye week, I know Greg's teams are usually playing pretty well when they have that week off. Uh, now he's 11-5 and five coming off byes. And Indiana was in their eighth game in a row, um, you know, and they've had some tough losses, and, and, and they're just waiting for that bye. I, I just thought it was a good time for Rutgers to play Indiana. And, um, you know, I did, did all right with the score prediction. That was a, a must-win game for both teams. It's kind of one of the, the time of the season where the casual fan starts to lose interest when the team is losing. Rutgers coming off three straight losses, Indiana coming off four straight. Uh, definitely, I feel like if this doesn't get turned around right away, the wheels could come off. Did you feel that coming in? Yeah, you know, this week was kind of a, a quiet week, and, you know, all across the board, you know, traffic was down in, in terms of interest, you know, and it wasn't just our outlet, it was others. Um you know, that, that loss against Nebraska was kind of deflating. Uh, it hurt the team really bad, too. And, and you know, I think fans kind of got disappointed. Now, they have every right to because that was the 21st straight loss to a Big Ten team at home. Now, you look at they had two straight sellouts prior to that, and there was a decent crowd for the Indiana game. I think that's a testament to the fan base. Most program or most schools, if you lost 21 straight conference games, I doubt they get stadiums that were, you know, that that with, with crowds that size. So, you know, I got to tip my hat to the Rutgers fans. They keep coming. They keep supporting it. Now it's up to the team to give them something to cheer about. And they did that on on Saturday, and you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, the the most glamorous win, but it, it was a solid win. Another good defensive performance. You saw the continual emergence of Sam Brown at running back, and there were some positives to take away. I have to talk about the fan base for a little bit because first of all. Walking through the tailgate lots, it was awesome yesterday. Beautiful day, sun shining, people out early tailgating. The Rutgers boardwalk, I love it. I feel like they add something, a new wrinkle to it, some new food trucks every single time, it seems. Yesterday I noticed some picnic tables going along the stretch, and maybe that was there in previous weeks. It was just so crowded I didn't even notice it. But with a you know an earlier game, a little bit lighter of a crowd, I really had a chance to just walk through there and appreciate what they've accomplished and also just appreciate the fans that came out. Every so often, you know, obviously it's the nature of a message board, fans will talk about uh, whether the people got in early enough or whether they left too early or whether they were, quote-unquote, sitting on their hands during the game and not cheering loud enough. 
Um, and I really cannot criticize the people who come out to the Rutgers games because, you know, they haven't had a whole lot to cheer about in recent years. So for someone to throw on their scarlet, get down there to Piscataway and you know, enjoy a nice game, a nice day out under the sun, I'm definitely not going to complain about how many people showed up or how loud they were when they were there because, you know, Rutgers is very lucky. It has a really nice, uh, passionate fan base. And you, you you hit the nail right on the head. Most, you know, a lot of schools would abandon the program. 21 straight conference losses, that's that's a lot of losses. I mean, you're going back to the Chris Ash era, the, the, the really dark ages. <laughs> so you, you got them coming out and supporting, and, and, and the thing's really building in terms of, uh, of interest in that regard because, like I said, how many programs you see will lose 21 straight conference games and, and, and put that many, uh, you know, that many butts in the seats? Right. You're talking about the Chris Ash era, but I mean, right before the Greg Schiano era, we had, well, the early Greg Schiano era, which was a little rough to sit through, as well as the Terry Shea era. And, you know, the Graber era was up and down. That's where I started at Rutgers as a student. So, you know, you, these people who are coming week after week, they've been treated to some little glimpses of good football here and there, but it's been a rough slog. And, you know, I don't want to sit on it too much, but if you're out there listening right now, we appreciate you because you're following us, you're on our website, you're on the podcast, and you are the best of the best out there. So back yourself on the back and just thank you for, for sticking through it with us. And, um, you know, we're going to stick through it with you. So without any further ado, let's start talking about this game. Um, in your article leading up to it, you said Rutgers, the key to success, Rutgers needed to score points, which is obvious. Mm-hmm. Our Indiana colleague, Matt Weaver, said that Indiana, Indiana had to start strong. Now, both teams did that. Rutgers scored points considering where the team's been at the past few weeks. And Indiana came out and jumped out to a 14 nothing lead. Um, talk to me just a little bit, your, your initial thoughts about that first quarter and what your thoughts, what was going through your head when Rutgers fell down early? Well, special teams play, the, the kickoff, I'm looking on the field, I'm like, who's that guy, who's that guy? Like, there were a lot of guys that don't really play. We were on a kickoff coverage team. And, and maybe it's time to revisit who you have on that kickoff coverage team because – you might need to put some starters in there because it was a bad coverage. It was just bad coverage all the way down. Um, and they, they jump out to a 7 nothing lead. And the tempo then gets Rutgers in the beginning. You know, Indiana has the fastest-paced offense, so one of the fastest-paced offenses in the country. Shiano had the stat last week about how many plays they run per second and whatever. And, uh, you know, it, as you can see, it was really fast, and it caught Rutgers on its heels. But that second series um, – they they they, they kind of found their footing. Uh, there was a penalty that kind of slowed things down as Indiana was driving again, and they just adjusted. And, and since then, it was it was lights out. So in the beginning, it was that you know I I had a little uh, flashback to how Greg would struggle his first time around against those spread offenses. You remember when they used to play Cincinnati and, and the Bearcats oh, just light yeah. up with points. Well, that's what I initially thought. Oh, here we go again. But that defense really dug its heels in and really played well. Uh, now, I wasn't crazy about the uh, the Indiana quarterback, Basilak, as well, who Rutgers actually offered when Chris Ash was here, but, uh, you know, wound up in Mississippi, then transferred to Indiana. And as you can see, the transfer quarterbacks aren't always what they're cracked up to be. I, I thought – I didn't think he was very good at all. Um, but the, you, you're seeing a defense that really plays really well at all three levels. And people ask a lot, you know, when we do these these uh, questions for other teams, what's the key to the defense? Who's the best players? It's one of those situations where they have a bunch of guys just doing their job and contributing. 
Um, it might sound generic, but that's what it is. There's not one or two guys that are just lights out and leading this charge. Um, it's all the guys kind of working together, and um, you, you're really seeing that defense do well. Joe Harris-Simiak is a really good acquisition as a defensive coordinator, and, um, you know, I thought, once again, they really brought it. I, you know, you, I, to put that into perspective, Rutgers right now is 30th in the country in terms of the amount of points they've let up this year, which is unbelievable considering how little, you know, they've, they've scored this year. They've, you know, they've had a lot of three and outs and the offense has sputtered, but the defense has really bailed them out a lot. And they're going to be calling on that defense if they're going to rally down the stretch here and get into a bowl game. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they just need a little bit of help from the offense. And they got that. Um, I thought Nunzio called a really nice game. It was, you know, a little conservative in the beginning, but he, he did some different things. He tried to get the ball in the Cruikshank's hands, excuse me. Um, and, you know, Sam Brown, they really leaned on him. I thought maybe a little too much. That's why he got a little banged up. You know, 28 carries before the, you know, the, the, the stretch run in the fourth quarter is a lot of carries. But you really see what, what you know, I, I couldn't really talk about him in, in training camp because of the Seattle rules, but this kid was doing that in camp. He was really good. And coming into this year, I wasn't sure how he'd adjust not being an early year enrollee or an early enrollee, you know, and uh, having to play catch-up. But, man, he really has hit the ground running, and he is the present and the future at the running back position. Yeah, I apologize to hear my dogs barking down there. That's all right. The whole family to, is about to win. I tell the family to be quiet, and we're recruiting a uh, recording a podcast, and this is what I get. Everybody's excited. I know. Everyone's excited, definitely. Um, you know, Shiano talked about, just to go back a little bit, that, uh, quick start, you know, Indiana, I think they completed their first 10 passes, and Chiano said, hey, this is the quote, that tempo, you could see at the beginning, it took our team, no matter how much you do different things in practice, it's hard to really simulate that at the speed with which they do it. I think it took us a series and a half to get used to it, but then what an unbelievable job the defense did. I mean, that was phenomenal, really good football, end quote. And with that, they were able to end a home Big Ten losing streak, uh, Three-game losing streak overall. Uh, get their first home conference win since November of 2017. So that was 21 straight losses at home in Big Ten competition. So obviously that must have felt good not only for the players but for the fans and for the people who have to cover the team. Yeah, yeah it's always easier to cover a monster a win than a loss, especially a tough loss, you know, and, and it just makes for easier writing. Yeah. Now – Greg had been talking about leading up to this game, they had to play complementary football. Bobby, what did he mean by that, and did they do it? Yeah, they did, and he 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 mentioned it, and he kind of broke it down. It's you know each phase kind of doing their part to to kind of pull their own weight, you know. And, and you really saw that in all phases. Adam Corsack really had a good game uh, once again. You know, I thought this year, you know, he's been good, but. He hasn't been as stellar as he's been the last two years. I think maybe we've gotten a little spoiled because, you know, he was like the top in the country, but um, really did a great job um, punting the ball. Uh, Krushank had a, a one return for a touchdown, but was called back on a penalty. Um, you take away that, that, you know, the beginning, the kickoff return for a touchdown, that was the one fallback. Uh, but, you know, you saw the field goal kicker, McAdamy, hitting from, from far. And then, you know, offensively, they, they they show some life. They, they show some downfield passing. You saw Sean Ryan get a few downfield passes, a, a touchdown catch in the back of the end zone, and, and that's something that we really haven't seen. Uh, Sam Brown established the running game, and we talked about the defense. So you saw all three phases pulling their weight. 
also didn't turn the ball over. Um, so, you know, it, it might not have gone exactly how they drew it up, but when you talk about all three phases executing and playing that complimentary football, it happened. Shiana was saying, oh, he has to limit those uh, turnovers, and Rutgers didn't have any turnovers on the day. If you recall during practice, I'm sure it's probably etched into your brain forever. What was that phrase they said over and over and over again? All is the program. All is the program. <laughs> For those who are listening, and if you don't know, they would have play a recording. I think it was a, was it a recording or was it someone just going over a loudspeaker? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, they just had someone in practice over over the megaphone saying the ball is the program during uh, you know that that period where they work on ball protection. Uh, and it's over, and it's over, and it's over again. And I guess the idea is just to drill it into your head so that you realize the ball is the program. And I think in recent weeks, that message might not have been getting home as much as it should have, but that was definitely a theme for yesterday's play. Yeah, and you, you need to protect it because you're not at the point where you can compensate for those mistakes with a, with a high-powered offense that can just go, all right, boom, here's, here's you know a quick drive with another seven points. So, you know, you saw how costly they were against um, Nebraska and against Iowa. You know, they had two touchdowns directly off of Rutgers' turnover. So um, they've been a big snafu this year. But I think getting Noah Vedrill back, you get a little more consistency at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I think we'll see some more Gavin Winsett worked in. But Rutgers needed this game, and they needed to protect the football. And I think that's one of the reasons that they were reluctant to put Winsett in because, you know, he might just chuck one downfield, and, and we've seen him throw those those passes. Um, I think he needs to learn to really protect the football, and, and Noah Vento did that, and, and he played. He did what they asked him to. He managed the game. Um, Greg said he was even making some run checks at the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, he did what was asked, and, and they really needed him. So uh, I, I think, though, we'll see some Gavin uh, before long. Yeah, Vedrill was 12 of 24 for 113 yards, including that 15-yard touchdown pass to Sean Ryan in the second quarter. And that was the next thing I was going to talk to you about. You kind of addressed it already, but, you know, Vedrill is here just for this year, and you have that big question, well, what's happening in the future? And you have Wimsat, this four-star, who's he came here to play, and this is the era of when quarterbacks don't play, they move on. There's got to be a little bit of concern of that. If you were Shiano and Lindsay Campanelli, what would you be doing moving in or moving forward so that you kind of can solidify this year while building for the future? Well, I think you're going to see them work in in certain situations. Uh, and I think they kind of wanted to um, uh, against Indiana, but the way the game unfolded, they found themselves in a 14 nothing hole and, and had to kind of call their way out and couldn't afford another mistake that might set them back. So I think you'll see him work in there. And, and let's not forget, I mean, everybody says, well, you know, he might leave. Rutgers only has two scholarship quarterbacks after this year, after um, Vedrill is gone. So uh, it, we've kind of seen Evan Simon and what he has. So it, it really just looks like the Gavin Wimsett show from, you know, from next year on. Uh, maybe that'll begin a little earlier at the end of this season. Who knows? But I think as long as Vedrill is healthy, he'll he'll play the bulk of the reps. But you could see Wimsett next in. And if it starts to click for him, who knows? He gets more reps. And, and I think – everybody's just waiting for that turn the corner moment. Um, the injury didn't help. It kind of set them back a little bit and, you know, we're playing a little bit of catch up, but you know, the hope is that the lights just go on and, and they have this quarterback that, that, you know, Rutgers hasn't had in a long time. I mean, he's got all the tools. It's just a matter of getting it all to click. You have some young guys on the offensive line. You have Sam Brown who already, you don't have to look too far into the future to predict how good he, you know, he can be. And he's doing well already. Um, 
Sam Brown, he ended the day yesterday with 101 yards on 28 carries. That included a two-yard touchdown in the third quarter. Um, he was handed the ball when Rutgers needed the yards the most. For example, when they went on on fourth down uh, twice and put the ball in Brown's hand both times. Uh, if Winsack can turn that corner, you have him going into next year. You have Brown going into next year. You have a lot of young talent on offense. I mean, hey, this could – right now I think there are 100th in the country out of 131, I think, in offense in terms of points scored. Uh, 102, that is, uh, with 23 point – actually, it's 23 point something points per game. And obviously that was helped a lot by that Wagner game. <laughs> if you take the Wagner game out, yes. uh, the points per game is a little bit embarrassing. Um, but, you know, Bobby, do you think there's some hope moving forward? There is. There is. And, and we haven't seen a quarterback with Winsett's talents in a long time. And, and you know, Sam Brown, is, is he's got a lot of potential at the running back position. This is a kid who came in the summer, never had a full season of just football, was a dual-sport athlete, heck of a basketball player. Um, so you get him a full year in, in the weight room, and, and, I mean, this kid's going to be a three and out in the NFL draft pick. Um, so a lot to be excited. I still think they need some help at the wide receiver position, and that might be something that they need to address in the transfer portal. Um, you still don't really see – I mean, Sean Ryan had those few catches, but you still don't really see that dynamic playmaker. Aaron Krushank is gone after this year. So I, I think that's an area that's going to be needed needed to be addressed uh, heavily in this off season, uh, you just have to get some help with the wide receiver position, and I think that's why you saw Greg take a chance on Taj Harris because he came with a lot of baggage, but he also came with a lot of talent. Uh, didn't work out, but you see why he took the gamble. Um, but there's definite, uh, you know, signs for uh, positivity moving forward, and and the offense looked better without Sean Gleason. I mean, none called a good game. Um, it was effective. They scored 24 points, and they won. Right. Albeit, you know, we're playing a, a top team, so it's going to be interesting to see how Lindsey does moving forward. I wish him luck. He's a great guy. He's a good coach. So um, true, but you know, I want to in that same token. You know, Nebraska wasn't a top team either, and 13 points against them was a uh, it was dreadful offensive performance. You're right. <laughs> um, where I was going to go with this? Oh, with the, the you're talking about hitting the transfer portal, and my concern. Tell me if this is not. I should not be concerned about this. Uh, in this day and age where players want to play in these wide open offenses, they want to have some excitement. They want to score points. Everything I listen to Greg say makes it sound like he wants to win games with this exact score, 24, 17, 21, 14, something like, you know, in that range, he wants to control the ball, run the ball, not make any mistakes, not turn it over and kind of just win the, the battle of which team is the most, uh, I don't know you say consistent, dependable, strong, stout, that doesn't sound like the kind of team that a high-performing wide receiver is going to want to join. Do you think it's going to be difficult for them to get somebody in the transfer wire knowing that Rutgers is going to be pounding the ball on the ground most of the time? Well, it's all a matter how you sell it, yes. Um, they'll they'll show them that they pounded the ball in there, but it can also sell them on the fact that we didn't have you, you know, as if I'm speaking to the wide receiver, we didn't have you so we had to do this stuff. You come here, we won't have to pound the ball because you're going to be helping us. That's all how you deliver it. And, and um, now are the top wide receivers in the portal going to come to Rutgers? Probably not. But that doesn't mean you can't get some quality guys out there. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent in there. You have to kind of sift through it. But, um, you know, also you have to remember when you have a solid running game, it opens up the passing game. It makes things a lot easier. Um, so, And if you have a, a running quarterback like a Gavin Winston, 
who's a, who's a dual threat, you know, that also helps. So all these things will, will factor into that pitch. But, um, I mean, if Greg could score 40 points, I'm sure he would. You saw the offense when he had Kenny Britt and, and Ray Rice and, and Mike Teal, and, and they really opened it up and let it fly. Um, I'm sure he'd, he'd, he'd roll with that if he could. But, um, yeah, he I don't, I don't think he, he minds those tough, grinded-out, ugly wins. But, you know, if he can access the type of players that can open up the offense, uh, you know, I, I think he'd really be excited to unleash that. I was just when you just brought that up, I was thinking he'd probably have to show those recruits some film of that 2006 season and that era. We had guys like Tim Brown, who was a small guy but exciting, fast. Uh, they'd throw the ball downfield. They'd do a lot more than they they were able to do right now if he has those players. So yeah, I guess he will open things up a little bit. Although I think in this era of football, it might be tough to get some of those electric players. But you know what? You never know. And uh, I feel more optimistic after this past week. Definitely. And, you know, you, you mentioned Tim Brown. Tim Brown isn't a guy who played in the NFL. And you don't necessarily need guys that are going to be first or second round picks. You get to find a Tim Brown, a similar guy. He might not be a, a big NFL guy, but he sure was effective when he was at Rutgers. Definitely. Now, the big focus right now is on the upcoming games. Rutgers has four wins. They need two more to get to the postseason, I'm assuming. Um, they have three of the top 20 defenses in the country on the schedule if you kind of look at it statistically uh, as points per game. So the Scarlet Knights aren't doing that bad in that category themselves, coming at number 30 um, with 21.3 points per game average that they're letting up. Yeah. They have some tough games uh, against Michigan and Penn State, but also winnable games against Minnesota next week. Michigan State's not looking very good this year. Maryland, um, they're, they're looking pretty good, but uh, I think there's a chance there. Scarlet Knights have some work to do if they're going to be uh, – you know, the bottom of half a country in scoring because right now they're scoring 23 points per game, number 102 out of 131, helped by that um, Wagner game. But, uh, you know, what? if the ball bounces in their direction uh, in a couple of games, it uh, could be an exciting end of the season. What do you think? I think that, you know, they have a chance in these games against the ones you said, Michigan State, Maryland, and Minnesota. I mean, you know, they're capable of beating those teams. You know, Michigan's another story, and, and Penn State's really tough. I mean, I'll still pick Rutgers because I can never pick Penn State, even as a young boy. <laughs> I didn't like them. <laughs> but um, so when you see that one, I may be wrong on that pick, but I'll, I'll still pick Rutgers that week. Anyway, um, the uh, they, they definitely have a chance. It's two wins. It just needs two more to go bowling. So um, it, it could be exciting. And, and like you said, Michigan State is down, and, and if Rutgers can build on this momentum, they have a heck of a defense. So it's not like they have to score 40 points in these games to win it. They can get some turnovers. Maybe they get a defensive touchdown, you know, like they had, um, you know, to close out the Indiana win. And we were talking about the 24 points. That was, you know, helped out by a, a pick six by Kristen Braswell as well, um, who's also playing really well. Great story. Kid came from Temple, hurt his knee, couldn't play last year. He's in his sixth year and really playing well. I think he's playing the best of any of the cornerbacks right now. But, um, yeah, it could be an exciting stretch run, and I don't see, you know, there's not that Ohio State on there that's going to just automatically be one of those, you know, lopsided games. I mean, last year, you know, they, they played Michigan right till the end. Not saying they will this year, but, you know, um, it should be an interesting run. This Minnesota game interests me. They're 4-3, and 1-3 and three in conference. They score 32 per game. They let up 16. Um, that 16 points per game uh, defense is top 10 in the nation. Their wins have come against New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado, and Michigan State. There are no world beaters there. Mm-hmm. Losses to Purdue, Illinois, Penn State. Um, 
It's an offense that's put up a lot of points in their wins and then barely had a pulse in their losses. So it's definitely one of those tale of two teams. When they're, when they're winning, they look unbeatable. When they're losing, uh, they look like anyone could defeat them. Uh, they average nearly 46 points in their victories, but only 14 in their losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, which team shows up against Rutgers? I think that will tell how, you know, whether Rutgers are going to come away with a victory. Yeah, I'm not sold on them. They played a bunch of nobodies, you know, with, with the wins. I mean, the Michigan State's their best win, and I'm not sold on Michigan State this year. Um, you know, P.J. Flex done a good job up there, but sometimes he's a little more uh, flash than, than, than uh, you know, than actually, you know, making a making that team a, a solidified, you know, stalwart in the Big Ten. I, I think the Big Ten West is a mess. Um, I, I think it's a step down from the East, obviously. So I, I think that's a game Rutgers could take. I mean, you don't know how it's going to unfold. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those, uh, you know, I, I'm going to watch a little more film and, and catch the vibe of the, of the team through the week before I can make any prediction. But it's not a game I'm crossing off as a loss by any stretch of the imagination. Well, look, they're scoring 46 points a game in their wins. There's no way they're going to score 46 against Rutgers. Huh. And I mean, look at the teams they played. You know, New Mexico. Who was the other one? You said St. Mary's School for the Blind. <laughs> New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado, and Michigan State. Yeah, yeah come on. Western Colorado's terrible. Uh, Western Illinois, is, you know, it's the one. That's a, that's their Wagner, um, who won by the way last weekend. Wagner. I don't know who they yeah, beat, though, but they won. I think it's the first time in in uh, you know twenty four straight losses or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this one. I. I Rutgers needs this win. I, from my perspective, they come out with five wins on this season. I think mm-hmm. that I think recruiting continues. They can say, "Hey, we're building." That kind of that traditional thing they say, "Hey, if we had you, we would have had another win. If we yeah. had you, we had another couple wins." Um, you have to show that I, four wins. I think is going to make it difficult to recruit off of. But then again, Greg's a great recruiter and he's able to sell that program. But I would be much more comfortable with five or six. Yeah, and if they win, if they can beat Minnesota, all of a sudden they're playing with momentum and confidence. And, you know, things look a lot better. It is a big game. If they can win this game, it, it could really, you know, cause that upward trend for the rest of the season. Yeah. Then you get Michigan. They're seven zero, four zero in the league. They're scoring forty three points a game, which is tenth in the nation, and they're letting up twelve, which is third in the nation. Forget it. No, no chance there in my perspective. Michigan State, though, 3-4, and 1-3 and three in the league, scoring 27, letting up 27. I'm circling that one as another potential win. What about you? Yeah, and I think Mel Tucker's he's got a little fraud in him. <laughs> he's showing that this year. So I'm not sold on him either, you know, being the answer for the Spartans. Um, that's a game Rutgers could win that, you know, as well. And that's, 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 the, uh, that's at Michigan State this year, right? Actually, no, I'm not even sure. I think so. And then you got Penn State, uh, 6-1, 3-1. I'm sorry. The Michigan State's on the road. But, you know, Rutgers has been a better road team. So um, who knows what's going to happen up in East Lansing. Yeah. And then closing out with Maryland, and uh, they're 6-2, 3-2 in the league, tight losses to Purdue and Michigan, scoring 34, letting up 24. Rutgers Mm -hmm. needs a final win or two, and then we, we move on to next year and move on to basketball season, which I'm hoping will be a great one this year. Yeah, it should be exciting. Looking forward to the start of that new dynamic with this team. And uh, Pike's just, just been nothing but successful. So un- until he falters, I'm going to put my trust in him. Isn't it? It's pretty crazy. They're losing two players who are just synonymous with the rise of the program. And yet we're all talking about possibly going to the NCAA tournament again. 
it's kind of surreal to even be thinking about it considering the NCAA tournament was barely a thought for 20 years. I was a senior in high school the last time they made the NCAA tournament prior to this, you know, recent run. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that we're just talking about the basketball program in such glowing terms. It's great to hear. Yeah. And, and it's a fun brand of basketball. The games are fun. Uh, the, the, the rack or I'm sorry, Jersey Mike's arena is a great venue. Uh, just a lot to really be excited about as far as the basketball program. What I love is just the continued development. Like when these guys are coming into Pike's program and they, we always say the same thing. And, and you and I have to, we keep learning this lesson over and over again. He gets a new player. We go, who? And you see him the first time, you go, I don't know about this guy. But slowly but surely, the guy buys into the program, builds up his body, learns the system, and next thing you know, uh, you know, Pike doesn't need you to score 20 points per game to make an impact. And he just finds these guys who are role players, and they play their role. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all you can ask for. And, and they play, you know, when you play tough defense, it keeps you in all these games. You know, you don't have to get into a shootout with, with some of these teams. And, and um and I think people can really get behind that tough, gritty, hard-nosed effort that they put out on the defensive end. And, and, you know, Pike gets those long guys, too. I mean, they're not a short team by any stretch of the imagination. So when they're coming at you with that intensity and that size, um, they're tough to score on. And, and it's just, a, you know, it's a team fan can really get behind. And, and uh, like I said, it should be a fun season covering them. Yeah, some things have to come together for them to play well. And we have to hope that they – you know, don't get bit by injuries, but to think that they're going to also be as strong as they've been in years past on defense, but then you have like Cam Spencer and, you know, Reaver was hitting a lot of three-pointers. Even a guy like Palmquist, I know you're not a believer in him, and, you know, I obviously know he has some question marks, but he was hitting 50% of his three-pointers. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, well, I you know, and they got, they got a nice uh, diversity uh, in that lineup, guys that can do a little bit of different things and, and, you know, then they bring the defense. So it's not like they're relying on a guy to score 20 a game. And then, you know, you have the defensive player to your returning and Caleb McConnell. And Cliff is one of the most athletic big men in the country. So um, it'll be fun to see his progression if he really brings that, um, you know, perimeter shot to his game. And, and, and let's see what he can do offensively. Well, we're on the precipice of that basketball season starting. So we'll have a lot to talk about with football and basketball. But let's get going right now. Bobby, thank you so much for your time. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you for being part of ScarletNation.com. We are thankful just that, you know, we were talking earlier about how the fans have stuck with the program, and you've stuck with us too. And there's a lot of great Rutgers football, Rutgers basketball in the future. There's a lot of great stuff on ScarletNation.com. Thank you so much.